Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The fly ball to center field. Hit pretty deep. To the wall! Oh my goodness! Unbelievable! Clear the deck with a topiary tater and a first to the big leagues! For Nick Gonzalez. You are listening to Wrong Buncher Radio. It is the last day of June. It has been a turbulent month. There's a lot going on right now in the world of Pirates baseball. There's some haze in the city of Pittsburgh. But it's led to some winning for the Pirates this week. The youngsters are here, and they're finding a lot of success so far. Uh, all kinds of roster shakeup as we get into this episode of Rum Hunter Radio. Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso, Trey Hannity here with you on this Friday uh, as the Pirates coming off of a sweep three in a row, and uh, now just four games under 500 at 30. At, excuse me, 28 and 32. Uh, gentlemen, I want to know how you're doing, how uh, the rest of this, this month of June is gone. I guess your last week is gone, and, um, you know, just how we feel about these youngsters. That's where I want to start. Since the last time we recorded, uh, Nick Gonzalez, we recorded on his call-up, but, um, you know, first career home run in that first hazy game, the City Connect jersey game against the Padres, and, um, you know, just in general, guys, these youngsters having a lot of success how are we doing, gentlemen, and uh, just your thoughts generally on, on this past week of Pirates baseball? Yeah, you know, uh, the the young guys is the thing to me. Um, obviously, we'll get into that a lot, but just to see the young players not just promoted but to be given an opportunity and to be playing well, that's exactly what you want to see. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's totally coincidental either that you get the young guys up here. They've provided a bit of a spark. They're playing well, and all of a sudden they win some baseball games. So I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah, Marty, I think, like you said, you're calling these young guys up, but you're giving them opportunities. We've seen in the past before when young guys get called up and kind of just end up riding the pine. Um, but in terms of them giving them opportunities, I think it shows – also the front office's um, overall thinking and timeline still, you know, these are, these are guys that they view, obviously they view as, you know, potential big leaguers. um, And that's why they're giving them this time right now. So, you know, again, just starting to see more of that pipeline that Ben Charrington has, you know, taken in, but also worked very hard to build upon. Um, It's exciting. This season's really interesting because I think it's easy to kind of go back and forth on where everything is at. You know, is this working? Has the lead up to this been, uh, you know, been worth it? And um, right now, I think you feel good about what we've seen in a, a very limited sample size with Henry Davis in the big leagues, with Nick Gonzalez uh, up, those two in the lineup. Now Jared Triolo joins as well. And um, Leo Verguero talking about, uh, you know, how soon he's going to be there in an interview this week as well. But um you know, as we kind of get to our top of the trolley here, what was your favorite moment maybe from one of these young guys or, or just in general in the last week? Yeah, I think, you know, Nick Gonzalez, honestly, his triple off the wall for me. Um, you know, Clemente Wallace, a short porch. We know that. Um, I thought it had a chance to get out. And I think a lot of people thought that, but he didn't. And that's what I liked. You know, he uh, turned that into a triple. Yeah, it took a friendly bounce, but still he was busting it out of the box and, you know, really showing that hunger to get that first base hit, to get that out of the way. And, you know, I just think it's echoing kind of the personality we saw from Henry Davis and what we're seeing from him, just that, you know, it's, we're here for baseball. Like it's, it's serious and it's, it's hard working, but that's why these guys are where they are too. So it's a big part of those, those two games. And 
just in general, I, I think that's part of the top trolley for me is the overall um, personality and effect that these, these two's attitudes have had on um, the team so far. Yeah, you know, with me, I'll stick. I'll stick with the young guys, and I'm going to go Jared Triolo here. Um, he's been out for two games with Key Brian Hayes on the injured list. He's made an impact, multiple hits. I think he scored three runs. He's been getting on base. But what's been best to see, and, and anyone who's followed <laughs> Triolo's minor league career, it's not a surprise. The guy's with multiple gold gloves at third base. Um, just He's blocked by Key Brian Hayes. Both Wednesday and Thursday's game against the Padres – he made a really, really good above-average play to end the game and get the final out, especially on Thursday um, when that ball left Machado's bat. I didn't think there was any chance Trillo was going to get him, and he got him easily. He made some other really, really good defensive plays throughout that series as well, but to get the, the flash the leather the way he did to get the final out of both of those games, um, Trillo is a guy I'm very high on. I'm glad we see him right now. Obviously not glass because Hayes is injured, but – Hopefully Trollo can continue to flash some things at third base. Um, he, I think, probably gets sent down when Hayes is back, but we probably see him again sooner rather than later. And uh, just excited to see what Trollo can do because I, I know we talk about the Pirates not having an internal option at first base, and I know there's something Jason Mackey's talked about on here a lot. I think Trollo could be that internal option at first base, or if nothing else, I think he's tremendous trade bait to help get you a starting pitcher or first baseman or something. But uh, yeah, to see Trollo up here getting hits, getting on base, just flashing that glove that he's known for—that that that's mine. It'll be interesting to see, like, like you kind of just mentioned, what what's their overall plan here with him. You know, they, do they view him as, like you said, maybe a starter potentially at first base? We know his glove can pretty much transition to anywhere on the field. Um, but again, so does that make it more like, hey, you're going to be our, you know, just for an easy comparison, but, you know, you're going to be our Josh Harrison, um, you know, from 10 years ago. You're going to play every day, but we're going to have you in a different spot almost every day also. Going to be fun to watch. And if he is, um, you know, that super utility guy, I think great. If he is the first baseman, obviously that, that solves the, a problem that I think, uh, you know, a future problem that we talk about here. And, uh, you know, you worry about what's first base going to look like. Um, potentially this is the answer. But it's just fun to see, guys. I mean, in general, um, my top of the trolley is right there with it. I think Henry Davis, you know, watching him not only get his debut uh, in the past two weeks, but, you know, kind of start to come to his own a little bit. And, um, you know, just from the jump, I think when you watch the tape at Louisville, when that pick was made, it's like this guy, it just seems kind of raw. No batting gloves, um, you know, plays the game well. Great, great uh, plate discipline. And we've seen that so far. Seen him work the opposite side, driving in that winning run uh, in game number three there to complete the sweep of the Padres. Um, gentlemen, you know, we're, we're coming off of a sweep here after a, a really disappointing month of June. This team, though, is still five and a half out, four games under. How do we feel after this series? I mean, it seemed like the magic was back. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was Marty that made the joke this week. Maybe they need to play in Beijing because obviously uh, being in some haze, being a little fog was the recipe against the Padres. But, um, you know, realistically, as we enter the month of July, truly getting to this halfway point, are things turning around with, with a sweep there? Or, uh, you know, what's the outlook right now, especially with all these injuries? I mean, it's it certainly helps that the San Diego Padres are a complete dumpster fire. Um, I mean, there were some reports that there may have been some, you know, arguing and like borderline scuffling in the clubhouse after Tuesday night. Thursday afternoon when Joe Musgrove was pulled um, with a lead, in the seventh inning, as things uncrumbled, they showed Musgrove in the dugout, and he looked like he was ready to punch somebody in the face. Um, so the, the, the Padres are an absolute mess. You, you probably could argue they're the biggest mess in baseball right now when you consider their payroll, when you consider what they added in the offseason to go with a team that was coming off a trip to the NLCS. Um, so, yeah, that helps. But uh, to me, it's just it, it's simple. It comes down to pitching. In this series, the Pirates pitched really well. Mitch Keller turned in a tremendous start. Rich Hill had one bad inning, otherwise had a good start. Luis Ortiz, one bad inning, otherwise a good start. Most importantly, the bullpen did not allow a single run this series. So it, ultimately, it comes down to pitching. If you pitch well, you're going to win baseball games. It's that simple. So I think the fact that they pitched the ball well made a big difference. And also, again, the young guys coming up, 
you, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like I said, that you bring up these young guys, they play well and you're winning baseball games. That's, that's, that's something that we, we sat here and we, we pounded the table for a month throughout all of May with them struggling into early June, please just get some of these guys up here, see if they can help. And they're up here and they're helping. So I think that's a big factor too. But ultimately the biggest thing, like I said, with the Padres here is the Pirates pitched really well. Their bullpen, I think wound up with like 11 and a third scoreless inning, something like that. They said you got three strong starts. I mean, you know, you, you, with, with Ortiz, excuse me, you would have liked a little bit more length only giving you the five innings, but He fought through that. It could have been a lot worse than it was. He limited the damage. Mitch Keller was, you know, awesome as always. And Rich Hill did what veterans do. He battled through, gave you six strong. So, yeah, the biggest thing is they pitched really well against the Padres, and that's why they swept the Padres. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, our bullpen was better than theirs. And it's funny because that's pretty much what led us to the the sweep of the series. So, it's it's interesting how – you know, relievers and bullpens often get overlooked, but obviously, you know, they can make a big impact, um, you know, like throwing the ball into the ground at first base into right field, you know, for the Padres there. But um, yeah, I think it's, you know, we're seeing what we expected to see in a way, you know, this year is starting to progress. We're starting to see them call up the young guys and, these young guys are playing well. And, you know, I think if you would probably listen to a podcast back at the beginning of the year, you'd probably hear me saying something about how, you know, this year is just going to get better as we go, you know, because of this. And I, you know, I think we're starting to see, see that result. And, you know, even beating a team like the Padres, you know, having a lot of young guys on our team and them looking across and seeing, you know, um, Manny Machado, Joe Musgrove, like you said, who's been, you know, an outstanding pitcher for them. Um, who am I missing? Fernando Tatis. Juan Soto. Soto's Andrew Bogart. It's like you you see five, seven all-stars, like, and you, and you beat them. Like, you know, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Sherry Triolo. You know, th- they came up and they were big in helping take that series. And that to me, that's just got to build a ton of confidence for those guys. Um, you know, knowing that they played, you know, better baseball than, like Marty said, one of the highest payrolls in baseball. No doubt. And it is truly a mess in San Diego, um, you know, for all that talent, the the losing that's gone on this season and, um, you know, just how mismanaged it's been and, uh, and, and how poor the pitching has been there in general, too. You said it, the pitching... Big reason the Pirates won this series. Um, and, and that's kind of what we talked about from the jump, too. If they were going to win games, if they were going to compete in this division, compete for a wild card spot, it was going to have to be the bullpen. That was a, a nice surprise. And they were that for the first month. Obviously, things imploded a bit. But we saw, you know, shades of that again here against San Diego. The youngsters really making an impact there. Um, we, we saw another youngster on one of the broadcasts. I think it was the, uh, the first game of that series on Tuesday night. Um, Leo Baguero talking about how he expects to be in the big league soon here. Um, you know, a guy that has now watched his, his colleagues, his former teammates make it up. Um, want to play this clip real quick here of Leo Baguero mid game. Um, just talking about getting up. I'm really happy and glad that he got it right now. He's still um, up here. You know, um, one thing that I can say that, I, um, I will be here. I will be here really soon, um, on God, but, um, you know, I'm really excited for that and really happy for him, too. This is a guy that, uh, you know, we've seen in black and gold at the big league level in the past. When do we expect Lee over to uh, get a shot? You know, I guess figuring he is the next in line to get the call up. It's interesting because I think, you know, in terms of triple A, we won't see him go there. I think that that would have happened by now. Um, I think they like having him in double A. It seems like. You know, it's something he takes advantage of, of being close to, um, you know, obviously the headquarters of the of the Pirates. Um, you know, but he also is deserving of it. He had a really slow start to the year, um, but you know, he's really turned it on of late, and he, he's slashing two seventy, uh, thirty forty two, and slugging four seventy four. So, you know, he's putting up pretty solid numbers. You know, he's still almost two years younger than the um i'm sorry than the um 
average age in double A. So, you know, he's putting up solid numbers, doing it, you know, advanced for his age. Um, he's also just been tearing the cover off the ball lately. Um, I know the other day uh, after he visited, he went four for five, couple home runs. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's it's good to see, uh, you know, one of these top prospects still, you know, one that maybe we were like starting to, to fade on. But now, you know, he's definitely right back in the mix of potentially being, you know, maybe a, a second base second baseman for this team you know the middle infield without O'Neill Cruz in there right now it's it's completely wide open uh, no one has been able to take that job so we'll see yeah first and foremost I agree we're not we probably don't see him at triple a um between Nick Gonzalez now being in the majors plus Sung Ching Chang being promoted to double a um if that promotion was going to happen I feel like what happened by now you mentioned him being close to Pittsburgh. This is not the first time that on off days he has driven from Altoona to Pittsburgh to go to the game. That actually happens pretty pretty regularly. Um, I, the way I look at it, I would have him up. Like, G1 Bay is giving you absolutely nothing. The guy cannot hit at all. Um, Castro is struggling. Marcano is struggling at the plate. Why not bring Paguero up and have him and Gonzalez be your middle infield until O'Neill Cruz, Cruz is back? Um See what you have. See what you have. Similar to like we said about Gonzalez and playing him every day. See what you have. Bring up Paguero. Let those two play up the middle in whichever combination feels the best defensively. Let them do that every day until Cruz is back and then take it from there. But I will yeah. say Paguero has been playing second base. Yes. Um, since uh, Chang's been promoted. So. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He, he's been at second base pretty regularly for what, a week or two now. So, I, I mean, if you yeah. think. I mean, I think everyone would agree Paguero is better suited for second base and shortstop defensively. The question then would be who do you think is better defensively at shortstop between him and Gonzalez? And if it's Gonzalez, then do that until Cruz is back. And whenever Cruz comes back between Paguero and Gonzalez, whoever's playing better, that's your primary second baseman when you still sprinkle the other guy in. So, yeah, I, I would love to see him up here, and hopefully hopefully we see him soon and see what he can do, especially with him swinging a hot bat right now. And listen, it's no coincidence. Like we talked about this probably a month ago when Henry Davis was getting rolled out in the right field down there at double A. And we were like, Hey, like that's probably suggestive of what's going to happen here. And here we are. Henry Davis has been primarily right field um, when he's played in the field. So uh, yeah, you know, is, is this kind of forecasting like, Hey, you know, we're, we're close to giving, Guerrero an everyday shot here at second base or like you said shortstop but Gonzalez they I'm, I was surprised that they threw Gonzalez to shortstop um just because like literally since the day he's been drafted it's been second base I mean I know he had some innings at short in the minors but like you know, I don't think any of us ever really thought he would end up, you know, starting at shortstop regularly. But, you know, we might be seeing that. Um, who knows? We'll see what happens. Like you said, between him and Paguero, you know, if one of them can work out and when Cruz comes back, you know, we have we have a real nice setup. And I have more confidence in, in these two than I do in, in Bay and um, Castro especially. Um, you know, I'm not going to say Marcano just because he has flashes and he's more of a utility player, I think, anyhow, where the, you know, Bay is obviously becoming that. But, you know, that leaves Castro, like you said, and, you know, these two have Gonzalez and Paguero have way more pedigree than, than Castro. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see it shake out that way. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is more of an off-season type thing, but I still think it might be in Rodolfo Cash's best interest to just give up switch hitting and commit to hitting right-handed full-time. Um, but I know, I agree. I think those two, I'm with you. I have more confidence in them. I think they're better than most of that group. Um, yeah, I just I would like to see what they can do until, until Ono Cruz is back. And, I mean, hopefully Cruz is back before too long. He's starting to throw from distance. He's starting to rev up baseball activities. So hopefully within the next month or so, we can start to get ready to see Ono Cruz back on the field. But until then, let, let me see what Pagrero and Gonzalez can do up the middle. It can only help. You know, you, you've gotten almost nothing out of shortstop and second base this year. Um, you, you get those two, it can only help. And, you know, especially if one of them does or both of them do prove 
to be long-term building blocks for the squad, hey, that that's that's the best case scenario right now, right? You help now and prove to be building blocks. I mean, the other middle infield guys, they've they've had their chance. You know, I mean, they had the whole first yeah. almost half of this season to prove it. And like we said, none of them could take advantage of it. So exactly. I, I mean, yeah. I know people I've seen people come out and say, well, you know, G1 Bay, for example, still the only 23 years old or whatever. So, yeah, but he's got 300 plate appearances in the majors and it hasn't gone well. You know, to, to Capita Marcona, who I agree with, you, I think he's probably the best of that three, even though he's definitely more of a uh, a a utility guy. He's 400 plate appearances in like obviously that's not a, a huge sample size, but. Three, four in a plate appearances in, you can start to gauge what a player is going to be. Um, and yeah, like you said, they've had their opportunity. They've had every opportunity in the world to seize it and run with it. And none of them have. Let's let's see what Pinguero can do. Yeah, real quick, Pinguero over his last 28 days, he's played in 21 games. Um, he's only struck out 16 times. He's hitting 300, 357, 589 for a 946 OPS. I mean, those are, you know, outstanding numbers you know, for the better part of the last month. Uh, if he's, you know, it's a similar thing where like, if he has the hot bat, like, you know, at this point, are we wasting that hot bat in the minor leagues when, you know, he could be setting himself up for a, you know, potential long-term opportunity at the big league level while helping this team win also. Why not? You know, especially while we're seeing all these call-ups, why not go ahead, add Paguero, uh, you know, as the next in line here, give him his opportunity. Um, you know, and I, I think if you look at, at this rebuild, when you start to kind of project what the lineup's going to look like in the future, and when the rebuild truly began, that Nick Gonzalez draft, it's like, okay, like, like you said, Nick, this is the second baseman of the future. Um, but going to be interesting to see if they, uh, you know, what they decide to do here. Um, and if they do decide to call up Leo Verguero, raises the question, though, you know, what is the long term for Rodolfo Castro? Obviously, defensively, it's as part of a package <laughs> for Luis or there. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think it looks bleak any way you draw it, whether it's a trade, um, you know, no matter what happens this offseason. Um, yeah, I, you know, he's gotten his opportunity, it has not gone well. Uh, and, and hopefully, in the long run, the Nick Gonzalez or Leo Verguero is that option there at second base. Um, you know, and, and just look at this season. Think about what it would be like if O'Neill Cruz had stayed healthy. You don't want to play the what ifs, but uh, it, it has changed things. I think in the long run, it might serve as a good thing because you kind of figure out really what you have in Rodolfo Castro and G1 Bay as well. And uh, and yeah, Tukapita Marcana to go along with it. Um, still never a bad player to take with a, with a home run prop. Let's move it along a little bit. Um, let's talk about what is upcoming here, gentlemen? About the halfway mark at this point, 10 days away from the uh, the first-year player draft. Uh, it, it's, I guess we're just getting word now that it's Bubba Day. <laughs> is that AAA promotion? What's going on with Bubba? What? Oh, I think you're muted. He's pitching today, you know, guy almost ERA, almost five and single A, you know, we're celebrating. Is it, is this similar to the kind of moves that general manager Derek Shelton would like to make? So that's my, <laughs> right. Right. And, and what about Britta Malone? What's the health update there? Inside jokes for those of you who are lost. Really, it's just how many plate appearances does Brendan Malone have? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still not quite enough, unfortunately, but happy Bubba Day. Uh, at the very least, um, where we MLB draft first year player draft July the 9th. Dylan Cruz was looking like the name uh, to beat at number one overall for pretty much the entire lead up since the draft lottery when we figured out it was going to be Pirates with another number one overall pick. Um, you know, I, I've I've died on this hill, gentlemen. I'm not going to lie. I uh, a lot of conversations, group messages, Twitter. What have you, um, Dylan Cruz, I think, has always seemed like the Bryce Harper of this draft. Consensus, no doubt, 1-1. One, one. Uh, but this week, <laughs> obviously changed some things. Um, Dylan Cruz, maybe not in favor of being a Pittsburgh Pirate as much as we'd like him to be. What is going to happen on July the 9th when the Pirates get to take their number one overall pick? Yeah, um, you know, I think... 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think in terms of Dylan Cruz, he, he should be the pick at one. He is, like you said, the best player on this draft board. Um you know, if it's me, Cruz versus Skeens, if all things are equal, I'm still taking the, the outfielder, as we've talked about, just because of the, the pitcher's injury risk. And it's not – I don't want to get too far down this road with Skeens, but it's not even for me like, oh, like he's going to get Tommy John. It's just like sometimes we've seen it with Nolan Kingham and even Jamison Tyon to an extent. Like they're just not the same pitcher sometimes when they come back. So you and you can't project that. So I think Cruz is is the far and away one one. Um, like you said, obviously things this week um, coming out that he doesn't like what the Pirates are offering and doesn't want to play for them. Um, you know, there's a lot of different directions we could take that in. I think she, geez, is my, can you hear Vienna? <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's light background noise, and I think it's extremely fitting for, for what you're going down here with those. All here, right. So. so anyhow, so so with Cruz, it's like, but where is this coming from? You know, th- things like this are reported for a reason. Um, you know, whether it's Scott Boris who is pushing this to – try to, you know, get that talk on about the Pirates being cheap to, you know, get the Pirates to to up their price? Or is it the Pirates putting this out there to tamper expectations? Um, hey, like, this guy doesn't want us to play for us, so we're, why would we take someone who doesn't want to pay, play for us when really, you know, it, it comes down to money? Um, it, it could be Cruz, uh, you know, that he doesn't want to play for Pittsburgh, but I have a hard time believing that um, first and foremost, it's major league baseball. There's no guarantees you even get to play for a team, um, you know, that you get stuck in a minor second off. Um, you know, there's been as bad as things have been with the Pirates. This isn't 12 years ago, 13 years ago when Pedro was being drafted and, you know, it's like, hey, like the Pirates literally have sucked for 18 years. Like, you know, they, they've been they've been OK. They've had ups and downs. They've had some good players. I don't see why Dylan Cruz would prefer to go play with the Nationals. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it just doesn't it's a, make it's money at the end. It's, it's, it's about it, the money. it's money. So the question is, is like where where is this push coming from? Is it is it coming from Boris and his camp? Or is it coming from somewhere else, um, like the Pirates organization? Yeah, I mean, I've also been on the hills. Everyone knows Dylan Cruz all the way. That's who you take. It sucks because he's the best player in this draft. And I think he's the best player in this draft by a lot. I think he's the best player in the draft in quite a few years. And it's very obvious they are not going to draft him. This week on 93.7 The Fan, Greg Brown was on there and had the PR team in full force talking about how if Dil- his his quote was, if it's true, Dylan Cruz is represented by Gray or by by Scott Boris, 
then he wouldn't even consider drafting him. And it's like, all right, you know, that came from the pirates, the PR team's out. He's the best player in the draft. The number one overall pick the best player in a couple of years. They're not going to draft him. Um, I just hope it's not skeins. Um, you know, from 2015 through 2020, there were nine pitchers selected in the top five of the draft. Of those nine, Hunter Green and Mackenzie Gore are the only two who have pitched at least 20 major league innings this year. Of those nine, three of them have already had Tommy John surgery, and three of them have pitched less than 10 career MLB innings. And Hunter Green just went on the injured list. So I, I hate taking pitchers that high. Um, so I just hope it's not Skeens. It's not going to be Cruz. It sucks. Cruz if, is the best player in this draft, and they're not going to take him for whatever the reason is. If it's not him, you got to go Wyatt Langford, in my opinion. I just, I am fully prepared for them to take Paul Skeens for by this time next year. Skeens have already had Tommy John and see his career absolutely derailed. So, you know, to counter that, Marty, and I, I know you know this, but it seems like this front office doesn't buy into the idea of drafting pitchers high. Now we've talked about how, if the, if, if Skeens is truly the best pitching prospect, can't miss since Garrett Cole, um, Steven Strasburg, then, you know, that might, like you said, that might influence the front office some, if they think he's that clear cut above like other options, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see them drafting him. Um, I don't see them investing that. I think if if Dylan Cruz was a high, <clears throat> excuse me, if Dylan Cruz was a high school player, I think the conversation would be a little different. I think I would be more for taking a college pitcher at that point for where the Pirates are. But that's the thing that makes Dylan Cruz the the best player in the draft is that he literally could open on a roster next year and be fine. And like, even like Wyatt Langford, like he's going to need probably at least a Henry Davis route. Like he's probably going to have to at least spend a year, maybe a year and a half in the minors um, just to kind of get it all going. Um, but that's, that's what I mean. Cruz for me, it's like this guy could be in our outfield next year and, you know, things could really ex be expedited because of that. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it, it is nonsense. How do you justify it? You know, I mean, how do you sit here and, and let a guy like that off the board, a dude that would move so quickly, you know, a guy that we've all just considered a pirate, I think, for a while, um, up until the last last few days, last couple of weeks, um, you know, a guy that would make such a quick impact. Uh, but, you know, hey, we'll see what we got here. Um, I guess, you know, you got to hope for Langford, if not Cruz. Um, but this is, uh, you know, I, I think tragic is even a fair word for it. I mean, this is a player that, and you know, hell, this is, this is one guy. This is a kid that's still in college. We don't know what it's going to look like when he gets to the big league level, but, um, you know, it, it, this is an impressive prospect here. A guy that you feel like is a must have. If you guys had to guess, and we'll never know the reasons, but if you just had to make it black and white right now, simplify it as much as possible, the reason that the Pittsburgh Pirates will not draft Dylan Cruz would be straight up the offer is just not going to be there? Yeah, I think what you see a lot in these situations is Dylan Cruz slash Scott Boris, they have a price that they expect. They know that the Pirates can pay upwards of like $9.7 for a Cruz. It's public information. So they're going to want to get as close to that number as possible, if not, maybe even over it if they can. I mean, obviously they would love to, but, you know, a team like the Pirates, they're going to be leery of that. And, you know, as they should be in a way, maybe not in this specific situation, but, you know, we saw in 2021 what extra bonus pool money can do for you. Um, so for, for them, they're probably trying to get Dylan Cruz – down closer to nine, nine flat, you know, where Cruz is trying to get to nine, seven and the, the nationals, you know, they're in a position at two overall where they can offer him like, I think 9.2 million or something like that. 9.3 with a 5% over, I believe is, is what I'm talking about. Um, Plus, they can save money on other picks if they're that enamored with him. So it's not like the Nationals can't call him and say, hey, like we'll give you 
we'll give you 9.6. And the Pirates, you know, all they can do is draft him at that point and hope they can force him into the, you know, a corner and get him to sign. But, you know, I don't think that is something this front office wants to get caught up in, um, you know, in the grand scheme of their overall plan for the draft. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is Ben Charrington just likes the idea of the underslot value strategy like he did in 2021. Um, now, 2021 obviously was a little bit different because that draft didn't have the slam dunk number one like we do this year with Cruz. I, uh, in my opinion, Jordan Lawler was the best guy in that draft. That said, everything they've done with Henry Davis obviously has worked out, especially if Anthony Solomedo continues to progress along the way he has. And that goes without even mentioning, you know, if, if Bubba Chandler can figure it out. Um, <laughs> being as on the head of Braylon Bishop or Lonnie White Jr. But uh, to me, it's different this year because you have that slam dunk number one. But I just think ultimately Charrington would rather go that value strategy to then land guys over slot later in the draft. And I think that's where we're at, especially – it should be noted too that this is a very deep draft class this year, one of the deepest in quite a while. So that's probably a big factor also. If this wasn't like last year's draft was not as deep. So I was like, you know what? Just grab Tamar Johnson, throw the money at him, and let's do it. I think if this yeah. Exactly. I think if this draft was similar to that, then whatever they'd give Cruz whatever he wants. But this being such a deep draft. I think that's Ben Charrington's strategy of, hey, you know what? Let's save money here and load up later in the draft with overslot guys like we did two years ago. It's just a matter of is he going to – how much is he looking for? Like I said, like if he can get Cruz even at 930, okay, you're saving almost 400000 like against your bonus, which is a, a nice chunk of change to use towards other picks. That's not counting like the other picks that they would save bonus money on later in, in the draft. Um, so that's, that's the issue for me is, is like how much of a discount do we really need him to take? Like, because at the end of the day, he's going to get the highest bonus that's ever been given out. Um, Spencer Torkelson currently has that record. Uh, it was at slot for him his draft year, so it's rare. You've you never seen a first-round pick, a first overall pick, I'm sorry, go over slot. Um you know, if anything, it's been it's been under. We saw that Henry Davis, Adley Rushman, um, was like six hundred thousand under. Um, so I just, to me, it's like Dylan Cruz doesn't have a lot a lot of power in this way because if the Pirates draft him at one one and say, hey, we're giving you nine point two million dollars, what's he gonna say? He's gonna say no. And hope hope to get drafted at one one again next year. Like we saw Kimar Rocker, like how things work out. Like you just you can't bank on that. There might be a Dylan Cruz in next year's class. No one expected Paul Skeens to turn into the pitcher he turned into on draft boards this year, right? It was all the Tennessee kid, Hollander. But now we're so you just never know. Like it just like is he gonna do that for for three hundred thousand dollars? Like when you're talking about nine plus million. So you're saying you think if they get to that nine two nine three number, he does put ink yeah. paper there? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I, mean, you got I I personally like my opinion on this whole situation is that Scott Boris is trying to get the Pirates to offer more money and is trying to make the Pirates essentially look bad, which he has done before. <laughs> so, like, I think – I don't I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side, Marty. I think this is a big game, and I think we're going to end up taking Dylan Cruz at 1-1. I hope you're right, Nick. I mean – just do it. I, you know, I get this is a deep draft. I get this, that, and whatever. But give them the number. I mean, this is you know, this is truly a guy that uh, that you can move that has 
just proven skills. Um, why not? And I think, you know, you look back to, uh, to that first draft, Henry Davis, like, I don't think Ben Sherrington is opposed to getting college outfielders, uh, yeah, or just college in general. Um, you know, dudes that have been four year guys, um, you know, guys with hidden pop. That's kind of been a theme here as well. Take Dylan Cruz at one, one, how, you know, hopefully this is the last time the pirates have a one, one pick for, you know, until this rebuild is well and completed and, and, uh, it's, it's over at that point, but just take one it. last thing, like yeah. if it's not Dylan Cruz, I'm with Marty. I, you got to go Langford and you got to go full on 2021 at that point. I think yeah. Langford, they could save a significant chunk on because he, I mean, he's a guy he could, he could really slide to number five, number six, um, you know, depending on where other pieces fall for some of these teams. Uh, so, you know, you might be able to save more on him if Cruz is adamant about, you know, not playing for the pirates and that that's the direction they have to go in. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to get to that point. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Take Dylan Cruz. Damn it. Um, definitely some doubt at this point. We are 10 days away there. Uh, we got to get this episode up. We got to get Marty to, uh, to, to some food here. Minor league minute as we close it out, guys, anything else, you know, we're looking at it as, Obviously, some prospects getting called up here. Uh, had some some nicely over Guerrero conversation, but Termar Johnson continuing to tear it up. Anything else you want to get to in the minor leagues? The the one thing I'll touch on is now that he is healthy and back pitching for Indianapolis, I'd really like to see Colin Selby promoted and put in the Pirate bullpen. Um, Colin Holderman is back tonight against Milwaukee, but this bullpen still needs a lot of help. Um there are more than one option down there of guys who can go. So now that he's healthy and back pitching at AAA, I'd really like to see Colin Selby promoted to the majors. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go on the other side of the Pirates organization down to the the Complex League and talk about – your Donnie De Los Santos. Um, if you don't know who he is, he was a like a top 15, top 10-ish ranked uh, international prospect two years ago who the Pittsburgh Pirates signed to, you know, a, a pretty lucrative deal. Um, and, you know, it was viewed obviously, like I said, as a good signing at the time. And last year at 17 years old, he, he hit 258, 372, um 363 so overall not bad for 17 years old first ball but this year he is um definitely you can see he's he's growing up some he's he's 18 he's um now obviously and through his first 15 games he's hitting 356 he's getting on base at 420 he's slugging 509 so his ops is 930 um you know we're talking about an 18 year old um you know shortstop who could I guess why I'm bringing him up is just because he's one of those guys to to watch out for in the next year or so that um, you know could really jump onto some prospect lists and uh, make a name for for himself. The thing with him is like he's relatively projectable. He's six two, one seventy, you know, and like I said, he he can play anywhere in the infield. Um, there's just a lot of tools like there. When you said you're going on to the FCL, I thought for sure it's going to be that Brendan Malone update we've all been waiting on. <laughs> you know, there's a video out there, guys. Uh, I think it might be on Instagram. Um, 84 miles an hour. Brendan, Brendan Malone looking pretty good nowadays. Uh, guys, as we wrap it up here, just a quick update on the injury situation. Brian Reynolds maybe looking a little bit closer. Uh, you know, key, uh, I think we touched on uh, a couple others earlier. Where everything's at. And just your closing thoughts as we get set. Um you know, for this last week before the All-Star break here? Yeah, I would guess we see Reynolds, if not this weekend, definitely early in the week. Um, they said they anticipate Key Brian Hayes to only miss the minimum 10 days. And G-Man Choi has been rehabbing with both Altoona and Indianapolis. Um, so I can't imagine he's far from, from returning either. So interesting to see how that shakes out. I, I would guess that when Reynolds is back, like I said, I think the easy move is you probably option Triolo, and then we'd probably see him again sooner rather than later. 
Um, and for Reynolds and Choi, I would I would guess that, you know, I think Josh Palacios has done some nice things, but he's definitely going to go because you're not going to carry a bunch of outfielders. And then my guess would be G1 Bez, the other odd man out, but I could also see a scenario where it's Rodolfo Castro because of Bay's ability to play center field. Yeah, I think, you know, we're entering July and we saw Daniel Vogelbach traded, um, you know, I think the second week of July last year, uh, along with Miguel Perez, <laughs> the, old, the old catcher, or Michael Perez. Michael, Michael, yeah. Michael Perez, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you know, so that just is something also to kind of keep an eye on Ben Sherrington. Um, knows he has a lot of young young guys pushing for roster spots. And like Marty just said, some guys who maybe don't deserve to be sent down are, are going to be uh, like Palacios and, and Triolo. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we get another early trade um, or two, you know, to kind of get uh, some roster spots opened up for, for these younger guys. Yeah, and you know, obviously this year's a little bit different than last year because last year going into July, they were way out of things. This year, they currently set four and a half out and start that series in Milwaukee this weekend. So, you know, in, in theory, you might go into July two or three games out of first place but changing some things. But ultimately, I, I between G-Man, Choi, and Carlos Santana, I fully anticipate at least one of them being moved by the end of the month. And in my mind, that's kind of where you open up that spot then for Triolo to return. And as we touched on earlier, get some get some starts at first base. Yeah, that that's kind of my my thought behind that as well is that one of those two will be moved along with um I still think Rich Hill gets moved. I know our pitching depth mm-hmm. is great, but like you said, we're not exactly in it. Um we are, but you know, the front office has been very open about them not being concerned about being in it. I mean, right look, now, look so. so we got a month of the trade deadline. Look where they were a month ago at this time. A lot can change in a month. A month ago at this right. time, smelling sounded uh, un, uncomprehensible. So right. you know, in a month, you could be way out of this. And I agree, move Hill. And, and nothing else. Yeah, you could do at some point, exactly. Beto has shown that he deserves to stay in the rotation for now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people putting him in the bullpen on Twitter and, you know, I get that. I know that's what we think long-term, but at the end of the day, like he's doing the job right now in the rotation. So you know, you're desperate for starting pitching and he's consistently yeah. giving you five to six strong. Just, just keep riding. Exactly. So, you know, they, they've an option like him emerge. And then of course, like we said, Priester who, you know, you hope is a part of, you know, a future part of this rotation. And then of course you'll probably eventually see Rowanzi rejoin the rotation at some point. Um, barring that there's no like setback of anything with him. But so I, I think Rich Hill teams often need pitching, you know, obviously we know that, but left-handed pitching veteran left-handed pitching. We saw last year at Quintana, um, they were able to get a nice return for him. Uh, you know, so I think Hill's one of those guys that we could actually maybe see moved sooner rather than later, just just because of you know they have some guys who you know Priester's here, he's ready. His last Triple A start was completely dominant. It's like all right, like it's it's time, let's get him up here. So got to open up some some roster spots. So just look out for some roster moves over the next week or two, especially with you know, all-star break. Um, that's always a good time for a lot of these people, front office people to get together. Um, yeah. yeah. If I remember correctly, Vogelbach was traded the Friday after the all-star game. So I think that just kind of goes to show your point of over the all-star break, front office people getting together and hammering things out. Cause that was, I, I think he was, traded before they ever played a game after I'm the pretty, yeah i was just gonna say that <laughs> and, uh, part of that's from mlb they, they did a good job of they got the draft to the location of the all-star game um during the all-star weekend so you have more going on there you know if you're a gm were you going to the all-star game probably not exactly but now you got the draft. You're probably going to spend the weekend there. You got everybody in one spot where they can talk things out. So, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's going to get busy. It is going to be a busy July. 
uh, been an interesting June. It is amazing how much can change in the span of a month. Um, but sell, you know, at this point, sell. And, and why not go ahead and start uh, seeing what we got here early into this all-star break. Pirates Brewers, Beto, going to get another chance tonight um, as we record here on this Friday against Milwaukee. Um, you know, and, and we'll see what we got with Johan through the weekend as well. We're on to Contreras. Got his first save of the career. Hope to see him return to that rotation here soon. Uh, but until next time, from Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, the Pirates still uh, somewhat in this thing with the way the NL Central is this season. Four and a half out, 28 and 32. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rumble to Radio. Let's go, Bucks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.